Hello all, and welcome to a new episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Don and Ellie, and tonight I'm joined by one-third of the Watch Out Horror Movie Review, so please welcome Jason. Hey Don, how's it going? It's nice to be here. Ah, it's great to uh, finally be here. It's uh, great to uh, finally have you on board. I've been a fan of your show for a while now, so it's uh, great to finally talk to you. Well, that's very cool to hear, actually. I appreciate that. I, I do have to apologize that you've got, like, the the one host that is probably the least funny of the three of us, but, you know, I'll do my best here tonight. Well, um, I'll settle for at least one third of uh, that, but, um, yeah, for uh, tonight's episode, we have chosen our top ten horror comedies, so... This was uh, your selection, so a uh, little bit of, of uh, about why the uh, topic. Any uh, concessions during your list? Not that you know what you, what films you chose, but like the process and uh, anything like that. Well, the process was crazy. I have to say, like I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I oh, I can I, definitely I, confirm mine was as well. But that's that's for uh, my my part my part. There's just so many choices, right? Like I sat exactly. down at I sat down at first and came up with a list of about 45 of them off the top of my head, and uh, and quite a few too that I hadn't had a chance to watch yet. So I I did quite a bit of homework homework. I I went through and did a lot of rewatching and I added a couple from the my must watch list. Um, but I I found an interesting thing, which is that when I was Rewatching these horror comedies, a lot of the time they dropped on my list upon a rewatch, and and I think that's kind of a unique thing with a horror comedy because maybe that first experience, you know, because it's new and you haven't and it takes you by surprise has a lot to do with the enjoyment of the movie. So there's a couple of movies that I thought were going to be battling it out for number one and number two spot, and they ended up not even in my top ten. Yeah, um, I mean, I was kind of similar. Mine, um, I am generally not much of a big rewatcher of com of horror comedies. Um, I'm basically kind of like a one and done kind of a person, just so that way, like a lot of the stuff stays fresh. Because I think that's like the bigger thing with um, the genres that it's got to be, you know, fresh for the joke to land. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do, I would say I am a fan. Like, I don't turn myself away from them just because I hear it's being sold as a horror comedy. But yeah, no, I, I'm not much of like, you know, a, a constant genre rewatcher. Like, I don't really, you know, spend a lot of my time going back and forth and rediscovering the older ones. Um, I'm basically just, you know, I'll see it maybe once or twice and then I'll just leave it at that. But um the top couple choices I have are ones that I have um, rewatched um, constantly and at a pretty consistent clip. But generally speaking, um, most of these may maybe either one and done kind of a thing, or I, I've seen it at least I've seen it at least once. Some of these I've maybe only seen twice, but that's about it. Yeah, and, and I. I had to make a decision too. Is this going to be a top ten list of recommendations that you know that I would take really seriously in terms of identifying the best of the genre, or or is this going to reflect more of my personality and what I really enjoy the most? Because there is quite a difference between those two lists, and and I did go with with my own personal 
favorites for this list. Yeah, um, I, I I kind of was the same way. Um, so, and, you know, there's a couple on here that um, I, I do have as kind of a, you know, they're on there for a reason, so they have to be, you know, included at some point. But it, generally speaking, if, if it's on the list, it's probably because one, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the film, but it's also one that I, I think is good enough that people should seek it out and watch if they claim to be, you know, a person that says, you know, they like horror comedy. So, yeah, yeah I, I kind of did a little bit of both. So what do you think about kind of the horror community's opinions on horror comedy? Like, it seems to be a very divisive subject, right? Like, there there are some people that really don't appreciate them. Yeah, uh, um, I, I, I try not to get into a lot of debates just to save myself a lot of uh, useless typing. Just because, um, like you said, it's, you know... What I find funny doesn't necessarily mean that you have to find it funny kind of a thing. So I, I try to like balance that act, that aspect of it. But yeah, generally, I, I do see that it, there's a lot of times people are harsher on films because they're supposedly a comedy. And a lot of the times, you know, one of the big damning arguments that they'll use against it is, oh, and by the way, I didn't find it funny, so therefore it sucks. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like one of those where, you know, yeah, maybe they'll have like two or three like legitimate gripes about it, but then they'll throw that, you know, oh, and by the way, I didn't think it was funny as kind of like a cherry on top is kind of like defining their stance on the film. So everybody's sense of humor is so unique and personal, right? So that's that's to be expected. I yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I, I, there's there's times where I've said um you know, I, I like a certain type of film and then I'll see another film in the exact same style and it just won't work for me. So I I don't know. I mean, there's points where it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. Like one time I'll watch like a, you know, really highbrow kind of um, like, I'll, for instance, you know, I'll say like I watch like a slapstick comedy or, you know, one that's just like goofy and bonkers and off the wall and just like crazy. And then I'll watch another film that's exactly the same style and it'll be like, oh, that's not all that good. I don't even understand why I'm watching it kind of a thing. So, yeah, it, it definitely depends, I would say. Um, I mean, it's kind of like I would I think it's like the most. I, I would say it's like the pickiest subject for me, like just because one one film in that particular style of comedy worked for me doesn't mean that all of the films in that particular style will work for me. But it, yeah, um, I, I to me, it, it just it really depends, I would say. Yeah. Well, there's a couple on my couple on my list that I think a big problem that that a lot of people have is that they'll think that the the movie is making fun of the horror genre and a lot of the times it is making fun of the horror genre but it's making fun of the horror genre because they love the horror genre and they're you know they're they're pointing out the things that make horror so entertaining on on many different levels and so that's how i choose to look at these a little bit and uh definitely some of my choices will reflect those kind of movies too um 
not much else to add. So um, are we ready to start in on our list? Uh, I'm all set. All right, so uh, let's start off with uh, your number 10. All right, my number 10. Um, I've been very lucky with starting the podcast about a year ago because we've ended up watching a lot of movies that I never would have found otherwise. And there's a there's a good handful of, of horror comedies in there that I think flew under a lot of people's radar. And I wanted number 10 to, re- to reflect the best of those. And for me, that is 2015's Deathgasm. I don't know if you've heard of this one before. Um, it should be Deathgasm because lowercase <laughs> is for pussies. Yeah, there you go. If Slice and Dice and Dave was on here, it'd be something like Deathgasm. But um... I, 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 I tried, but I'd rather save my vocal cords for um, listing stuff off rather than attempting a death metal voice. But that works for me. There you go. There you go. So written and directed by Jason Howden. This is a this is a New Zealand produced movie. And it's a, it's about an outcast at, at high school who is a heavy metal fan who finds a finds a soulmate in in Zach, another student. Um, so the, the story revolves around Brody, who's played by Milo Cawthorn. Zach is played by James Joshua, Joshua Blake. And they start a heavy metal band. And unfortunately, they find some, they find the music to the Black Hymn, which if you play it backwards, turns anybody around it into, you know, violent, violent zombie-like ghouls. And so you're, you're dealing with, you know, the central joke of this movie is that heavy metal music will corrupt and, and turn people into violent ghouls. So this happens quite literally to spectacular effect with quite a bit of over-the-top gore. But what works the best for me is just going back to those characters. So um, Brody... Uh, it just it turns out that the hottest girl in school is very attracted to Brody and is very interested in heavy metal music as well and so so this is kind of like that that feel good story for the heavy metal nerds among us that that just wanted to get the girl and just wanted to be in a successful band and maybe not so much the part about the uh, the the violent ghouls and and everything that comes after that but I found this to be a very entertaining movie, um, even without the dildo fight in there, which was, uh, you got to see it to believe it. So um, it's got it's got a, a re-beheading scene in it, which I, it's kind of hard to explain, but again, something you just have to see. Um, I, I wish this had... They were talking about making a sequel to this. It it hasn't happened, but I would be all over that if it came out. So this is 2015's Deathgasm. Nice. Um, I will give you away a little slight spoiler right now. It is on my list at a later spot, so I'll um, refer my thoughts about it then. Awesome. So yeah, um, I think we'll just uh, carry on like that. Where um, if we happen across um, duplicates, then we'll just say that when we're done. So. Sure. Yeah. 
All right, so um, like I said, I'll mention uh, my thoughts about that uh, when I come across it. But uh, my number 10 is uh, another uh, recent one. Um, I'm usually not a fan of a lot of modern horror comedies, but uh, this one works for me. Uh, this is 2019's Little Monsters. Okay, I haven't seen this one. Okay, um, so it's kind of in a similar vein. Um, it's uh, also shot in New Zealand. Uh, it involves a uh, young guy who's uh, basically on, he's also kind of in the band, but he's um, a little, he's not a metalhead. He's just more of a quote unquote rock star kind of a personality. And his girlfriend dumps him, he loses his job, and he's basically kicked out of the band, like, you know, worst case scenario kind of a day. And to get him out of the dumps, his uh, sister asks him to take her son to um, his class field trip. And it turns out that the class field trip is to a petting zoo that's located next to a into next to a um, uh, which like a uh, military like a military base that was experimenting with a virus that ends up getting unleashed and turns everybody into zombies. So. <clears throat> The entire joke of the film is the fact that the two adults have to make the children realize that the zombies are trying to play games with them. So it's always, you know, like trying to play tag to like play keep away. And they try to, you know, keep the kids safe. But the kids are all the kids are already in on what's going on. They know. But the two adults are the ones that are trying to, you know, keep the kids smiling and try to, like, make sure that they don't get traumatized. But the there's also a secondary joke that is absolutely hysterical in that they have a character. Um, I, I, I wish I could remember his name because it's been a while since I've seen it. But it's played by Josh Gad, the character who the guy who plays uh, the voice of Olaf in the Frozen franchise. Oh, OK. Yeah, he plays a children's performer who is absolutely despicable. He basically uses it as an excuse to get with the single milfs in, in the crowd. That's the entire reason that he's a children's performer. He hates kids. He can't sing. He can't dance. He has no musical talent whatsoever, but he's basically using it as an excuse to score with free with free women. Nice. So they call him out on it, and he basically just turns into a despicable jerk the entire film. And the three of them have to try to keep the kids safe from the zombies. But again, the kids know what's going on. So it's just kind of like this weird. Um, it's like this weird thing where like the adults are trying to like play, put on like, put on a happy face, kids. We're trying to play tag. You know, don't let them touch you. And the kids are like, do they not know that this is a zombie invasion? Why are we playing tag with them? So it, it's it's kind of one of those kinds of things, and it, it's hysterical. Um, uh, it's probably, like I said, one of the only times that I'll ever find Taylor Swift tolerable, and that's an in-joke that you'll have to know when you watch the movie. All right. It's, it's funny how often how little parents know about their kids becomes the focus of comedy, right? Like, there there really is gold there. Yeah. And... and uh, it's also funny how many of these movies happen to involve zombies in one way or the other. Maybe that's a slight spoiler too, but mm. but uh, yeah, I've I haven't heard of that one. I'm gonna put that on my watch list for sure. Yeah, um, it should be on Hulu because I think it was a Hulu original. Okay. 
So um, it, it should be on there. I mean, if, if it's not an original, it was definitely, um, I think, partially funded, if I remember right. So I think it's one of those that's going to be on there for a while, and there's, like, no danger of it, like, being taken off or something. So, yeah, if you have Hulu, I think this is, uh, it, it should be on there, um, or at least relatively easy to find. Yeah, I'll have to find it some other way since up here in Canada we don't actually get Hulu, but uh, mm. that's that's the bane of my existence. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys are Canadian. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, there may be a physical release. I could swear I've seen a copy of it um, online, so maybe that would probably be a better route since you don't have it. But uh, don't quote me on that. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure I'll be able to find it somewhere. Yeah, there's always that. But uh, that gives uh, way to number nine. All right, so number nine. Um, I have no idea if this is going to be a controversial one or not, because it it's another recent one, and I think it's the end of my, my really recent ones. But it's it's one that I read the synopsis on Netflix, and I I didn't think too much about it. But Slice and Dice and Dave really likes this one. And when I watched it, I fell in love with it, too. This is 2017's The Babysitter, uh, directed by Mick G, which surprised me a lot, actually, when I did the research and found that. Um, I guess I can see the comparisons to Charlie's Angels and, and things like that. But um, again, this is a this is. This is another movie that's really based on the relationships between the characters and and how much you enjoy it is going to depend on how much you relate to the character of Cole played by Judah Lewis. He's a he's a kid who's he's outgrown his need for a babysitter, but his babysitter is smoking hot. So he still has a babysitter. Um, his babysitter's name is B. She's played by Samara Weaving. And I absolutely love the job that, that Samara Weaving does in this movie. It's, it's uh, to me, it's a stunning performance, just walking that line between, um, you know, someone that you really care for and someone that you are scared of. And so I guess I should get into the, the synopsis here. But um, essentially, when, when Cole decides he's... Uh, well, Cole decides to stay up past his bedtime while his babysitter is, is looking after him. And he finds out that that his babysitter is a is a member of a satanic cult who is performing a, a ritual in his living room while he's supposedly asleep. And uh, when she finds out that he's seen too much, it, it does not does not make her happy. And she's going to go through anything to, to try to keep him quiet. So I really like the, uh, the cast of characters, like I said, but especially um, Robbie Amell as Max. He's a guy that's part of the satanic cult. And just, just the way that he's, he's such a caricature of, of, uh, of a jock type of character, but he's, he's, he sees something worth, you know, he sees the worth in Cole, even if Cole doesn't see it. So he's trying to build him up, even as he's chasing him down and trying to kill him. And it's and it's such a, it's done in such a comedic way that, that, you know, it just it feels so natural. Um, 
it's it's a movie that you know the there's a there's quite a bit of gore in there as well and and it really it really makes you wonder what this what this girl you know what this girl B's motivation is and how she, how we could as an audience have been so wrong about her as well but it's loaded with with pretty funny one-liners and amazing uh comedic situations and you know it's it's something that i had a lot of fun with so this is 2017's the babysitter yeah i i am a big fan of this one as well i love the relationship there's so many just bizarre offbeat one-liners and uh i i had so much fun with that one um <clears throat> it didn't really make my list because i I see it more as a straight film with just jokes, even though the jokes are hysterical, but I am not mad at all with that pick. I had a lot of fun with it too. So. Yeah. I think that when I, when I was worried it would be controversial, I'm thinking, you know, some of the ones that I left off my list and, you know, people might look Mm -hmm. at this and say, really, you think the babysitter is better than those ones, but you know, that's going to happen no matter what. So. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I, I just, I, yeah, whatever. But um, I mean, yeah, uh, I love the film too, so I'm definitely not mad at that one. Cool. So uh, yeah, my number nine is um, I would probably go. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, like I said, where to where this kind of falls in line with with the genre. I mean, I I could probably say it's a it's a straightforward film with just tons of jokes and um, bizarre situations. Or uh, it, it could just be um, what would be um, it could be like a parody that's uh, played straight in the uh, third act. But um, I went with 2004's Club Dread. All right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, pr- produced by the uh, Broken Lizard team. Um, you'll recognize them for uh, films like um, Super Troopers, uh, Slam and Salmon, um, Beer Fest, um, a, a, a couple of other stuff. But um, they also went ahead and they did uh, this film, which is which is actually really fun, really fun. Some basic is a uh, group of uh, workers. A uh, well, I it, I'm trying to be kind of uh, I'm trying to beat around the bush. It's basically a uh, it's an open secret that it's basically a sex resort in the Caribbean, but they try to play it off as a uh, tropical resort and retreat kind of a thing. But um, everybody there is just basically, you know, everybody there is just interested in getting laid, getting high or getting drunk. So um, everybody there, including the staff and the uh, workers are there to do one of the three things. So there's no real secret about it, but um Eventually, what happens is they turn, they come to find out that they're being killed off one by one, and they have to find out why. Um, I had so much fun with this. Um, I, I, I saw this one actually before I saw Super Troopers. I didn't really think much of them when I first saw it. I, I'd never, I didn't know who they were. Um, I, I came across this just because it was being marketed as a horror film, and I thought it was, you know, something to watch. So I went into this kind of not knowing who they were, and I came out of this the biggest fan of the five of them, because uh, there's uh, five guys in the troop. Um, I am not going to attempt to name names because my 
my English, my American is not going to butcher their forward names all too well. So I'm, let's just say there's five guys. Most of them are foreign, and I'm not attempting to name them. But um, they basically are forced into a, you know, series of slasher tropes. Um, there's basically, you know, tons of red herrings. Everybody's got, you know, a motive at some point to be the killer. But it's absolutely gut-busting hysterical, some of the situations that goes on in here. Um, I haven't even mentioned uh, the fact that the resort is uh, basically the playground of a Jimmy Haggard type of a folk singer um, who's played by Bill Paxton, of all people. And he is hysterical in this. I just find everything that comes out of his mouth just I, it had me in stitches when I when he came on. I mean, I knew he was in the film, but everything he says in this is just gold. And they try to play it off like it's serious. You know, they try to play off that the deaths are serious, and you know, there's a bunch of gore and all the murders. But it, it's so much fun. Uh, the you know the costume with the killer is hysterical. They keep on switching up who you know the various disguises to try to throw suspicion off of, you know, who everybody is. Some of the situations are ludicrous and they're just, you know, you expect them to buy it. And uh, I, I have so much fun with this movie. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, I, I couldn't keep it higher on the list, but yeah, this was a hard one to leave off. Uh, number nine is Club Dread. Nice. Now I did see this one way back in the day. Um, probably around 2005 or six ish. So it's been a long time and maybe that's why I didn't, didn't have it on my list, but um, yeah, I do. I do remember it vaguely and it's probably worth a, a revisit, but yeah, I was hoping that you would mention Bill Paxton's name because I did remember he was in it and I was searching for his name in my head. So I'm, you know, uh, um, it's a fruit. Um, it's a fruit. Cause they play the, uh, Ah, uh, come on, brain work. That's what I have you for. <laughs> Coconut Pete. There it is. Coconut Pete. Because I was trying to play the lyrics back to one of the songs. Um, for some reason, I had one of the songs in my head, and they mentioned it. Coconut Pete. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a I'm a big Bill Paxton fan, and uh, so yeah, I I did remember that he was in there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely worth the revisit, especially if it's been that long. So. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, let's move on to number eight. All right. I think this is where my, my list starts to get a little rocking here. Um, this is taking us back to 1985. And it's, it's interesting because you could see this as kind of a parody of zombie films that turned into something that really helped to define the tropes going forward. And, uh, so this this is The Return of the Living Dead, by directed by Dan O'Bannon. Um, I really, I mean, there's so many things in this movie that, that are iconic by now. Um, the fact that the zombies talk and, and can get on the radio and ask, you know, ask the dispatchers for more paramedics and cops to be sent. Um, the fact that the zombies run is, is something that, I don't think had been done before at this point. And, and the fact that they were going after people's brains in particular was, was something else. But I, I really, upon a rewatch, I was, 
I guess not surprised, but just impressed that they tied it into the original Night of the Living Dead the way they did. Um, to the to the point that that kind of explains why it's called the Return of the Living Dead, because what happens here is that in this in this movie's universe, the the events of Night of the Living Dead actually happened, and uh, the the undead that were recovered from that scene were were shipped by the military, but the shipment got lost and it ended up in the basement of this this medical supply uh, warehouse that just happens to be within walking distance to a to a crematorium, mortuary, and a and a graveyard. But um, when two employees of the medical supply warehouse, uh, well, what? When one employee of the medical supply warehouse is trying to show off to the to the new hire, um, they accidentally open up one of these one of these containers full of old zombie, and the gas gets around, and all of a sudden you've got a zombie apocalypse on the rise. So over the top gore with this one, uh, some amazing effects. I mean, the the tar man zombie, as he's referred to, the way he moves is is just amazing. The way they did that. Um, I have to call out the performances of, well, the performance of Tom Matthews as Freddie. Uh, he, of course, went on to, to play uh, Tommy Jarvis in Friday the 13th Part 6, so that's where you would recognize him from. Um, but also Linnea Quigley's performance as Trash, and this is quite, is quite something to behold as well. So... Yeah, just visually, visually, so much is going on in this movie. It's it's all played, you know. It's it, like I said, it kind of feels like the parody of a zombie movie, but it turned into such an influential zombie movie itself. So that's why that's my number eight. Nice. Um, I'm a big fan of the film. I. It, just as a comedy, I'm not really sure where a lot of the jokes are, because I, I it, it's one of the weird, weird ones where um, I'm I'm kind of in a similar vein. I don't know if this one was be on your list, so don't tell me. But I I kind of feel like this the same way I do like um, with the howling, where a lot of what everybody says are jokes. Um, I don't think are, so I don't I don't really laugh at the film. So. It's kind of one of those weird ones where I I absolutely love the film, but I I personally I just I don't see the comedy in it. I actually find the second one funnier. The second one to me is actually a, um, a much more horror comedy than the original. So I I mean I, I I get why you would say the original. It's just one of those where for me personally I'm one where I don't I don't find that what are jokes what are being called as jokes, I, I I don't find funny. So, um, I mean, like I said, I don't know if the howling is on your list or not, but um, I mean, I, I kind of think about both of them in the same manner. Yeah, well, and that's completely fair. I mean, it's it's something that, like we said off the top, the everyone's sense of humor is different, and and you know, I think there's going to be a couple more on this list that might have the same reaction so it'll be interesting to see uh specifically there's another one that is very much like this and i think i think what it is is 
um, you know, there, there's a lot of overacting when it comes to this movie. Like yeah, everybody, everybody yeah, plays a lot it. of uh, a lot of the stuff in the in the warehouse, I think. Yeah, like they're just, you know, they're they. <laughs> I don't know if people actually behave the way they behave, and I, I think it's more to just it's like the decisions they make just kind of compound on each other and make things worse and worse and worse, and and so in that way, it's yeah. kind of like a, you know, a black comedy sort of thing, but but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like anybody's saying one-liners. Um, right. Yeah. Not really, but uh, and it's not so much a laugh out loud thing, but but yeah, it's to me, I look at it and I and I definitely see the humor in the situation. Cool. I mean, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I just it, it's one of those where I what I what are what I'm being told is jokes I don't find funny, so. But um, yeah, uh, move on to uh, my number eight. Uh, my number eight, um, I am, I'm going to take a very, very, very strong leap here. And I'm going to say that you've never heard of this one. All right, let's see. Okay, I'm going also with 1985, coincidentally enough, but not vamp, not, not zombies. Not from America. I'm going with Hong Kong's Mr. Vampire. I think you win the bet. I've never heard of that one. All right. So, yeah. Um, this is a, a film I saw several years ago when I went into um, a major Asian horror kick. Um, uh, for those that uh, don't know, uh, one of my side gigs is I actually write for a website known as Asian Movie Pulse, and I'm pretty much the horror guy on the site. Everybody else there loves dramas or, you know, um, historical martial arts movies and that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of the guy that just, you know, does all the sleazy, trashy Asian horror stuff. So this was one of the films that I saw when I I got into um, Asian horror uh, for you know like i said uh, like most of you haven't seen this so um real quickly what happens in the film is a um buddhist is a, a, ta a, a taoist priest and his two assistants are charged with moving a body that was buried at this one estate to a separate burial ground now it, it, there's a lot more going on than that but that's like the general gist of what's going on but what happens is the two assistants who are the ones that are normally in charge of the body while the priest is off doing his manners and do, doing with all of his other customs and stuff like that, they fail to realize that the body that was buried is actually a vampire. And they end up and they inadvertently set it loose and it begins roaming the countryside. But what they don't, what everybody what nobody else realizes is there's two or three other secret clandestine meetings going on behind the scenes that are basically setting everything up to to come to fruition that they want the vampire there for a reason and you know i'm I'm trying not to you know I, you can probably tell i'm being a little hesitant here because i'm trying not to delve too deeply into spoilers so <clears throat> I, I realize that this doesn't really sound funny, 
but um, if you're a fan of um, 80s era Jackie Chan movies, this is a horror film that Jackie Chan would have made. He would have been either the priest or he would have been uh, one of the two assistants. So um, imagine that kind of goofy slapstick comedy. There's a scene where um, the they're parading the body around the village and they stop to go in and one of the assistants has to, you know, go to, you know, relieve himself in the bathroom. So they've decided it's the perfect time to pull a prank on him by, you know, pretending to dress up as a ghost and scaring him out of the outhouse. Or there's another scene where um, through a series of miscommunications, they end up coming to believe that the waitress at a restaurant is actually a prostitute begging for their services. So it's kind of, um, I mean, a lot of it, I, you know, may be lost in translation, but I was just absolutely hysterical with uh, this one here. It's, it feels exactly like a Jackie Chan action film. It's not necessarily a very strong horror film, despite there being a vampire in it. I mean, that's kind of like one of the few failings is that even though there's a vampire and, you know, there's other clandestine things going on, it kind of, it, it, it you know, it could be said as t- bordering on the genre, but if you go into it wanting to say, see what a, a Jackie Chan horror film would be, this is the one. Um, and like I said, like I said, if uh, I give it, not giving away that this is a Jackie Chan style movie didn't clue you in that there's jaw dropping fights in this, then that's another big selling point with this one because it's the same style of fighting that goes on in his films that you'd see in this one. So, you know, people are flying all over the room. They're you know using the the weapons to their advantage, and even the vampires know martial arts. So it's not just it's not just, you know, the humans fighting, you know, inanimate vampires with their martial arts. It's basically as if you have um, two clan, you have two martial art Kung Fu masters going at each other. It's just one's dressed like a vampire and one's dressed like a human. So yeah, um, I am. Yeah. uh, I absolutely love this one. Um, I know it's almost impossible to find, um, I, I don't remember where I saw it because I, I saw it years ago, but it's out there if you can find it. So, I mean, like I said, I know that this is not one that a lot of people have seen, but yeah, um, this one was, um, I, I, I had to put this one on my list. Well, that's what's great about lists like this is the, you, you know, you end up with a lot of great recommendations to go search out and, and experience yourself. And you've got me intrigued for sure because mm-hmm. I, you know, I know that some of these uh, some of these films can be quite crazy. So, um, Jackie Chan style vampires, I'm in. Cool. All right. So uh, let's move to uh, number seven. Number seven. All right. So I'm for my number seven. I'm going to go with uh, the number two movie of a trilogy. And this is from 1987. Also kind of a zombie demon movie, um, but possibly one of the most famous cult classics. And, and, and that is Evil Dead 2. 
So this is directed by Sam Raimi, starring Bruce Campbell. Um, it's, it's interesting how they did this trilogy because none of the movies really, none of the movies really, uh, you know, pick up where the previous one left off exactly. Like it's close enough, but it's not quite. And so some people see Evil Dead 2 as being a remake rather than rather than a true sequel to the first Evil Dead. And I suppose you could look at it that way. Um, you could also look at it as, you know, that Ash was kind of dumb enough to go back to the same cabin and bring someone else with him this time. But um, I think the majority of, I mean, the, the, the effects are, are very effective. The, the sound design of the whole, of the first two Evil Dead movies is just crazy. Like that, that's what unsettles you the most and it makes it actually a very scary movie. Um, but what makes it a comedy is is Bruce Campbell's performance, and and it's a lot of the time it's the physical comedy. Like he's, I see him as like the king of physical horror comedy. Just the scenes with the with the possessed hand, how it's dragging him across the kitchen. Uh, the scene in in the mirror where the mirror image is attacking him. Um, and yeah, just just top to bottom, this is a crazy film. Um, it improves on the original in quite a few ways and sets up for what is probably more true comedy than than horror in the in the Army of Darkness, the third movie, which was some which was one that I was also considering for my list, but but for me it was more like an action adventure comedy than than a true horror so i decided to go with the second as as the best representation of a horror comedy for this trilogy so yeah that's bruce campbell sam raimi evil dead 2 1987 nice um it is on my list so we will be talking about it shortly all right moving on yeah so uh, my number seven is uh deathgasm or i should say Deathgasm. Like I said, lowercases for pussies. There you go. Yeah. Um, oh my God. When I first saw this movie, I I had found I had literally thought I had made a movie made literally just for me. Um, for one thing, I know every single band in that in the movie. Um, I know all of the music that was in there. Um, I actually own most of the albums that they played. Wow. And they went kind of obscure with a lot of that stuff too. Right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is um, Canadian underground and indie stuff. You know, <laughs> probably being cheaper to, um, probably like being cheaper to like source and you know, like you can like license the stuff from from them a little easier. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I was sold on this the very second that they did the music video, and I'll tell you why. The music video, and this is something that very few people don't know, it is a shot-for-shot -shot recreation of a music video from a band called Immortal. And Immortal are basically a Norwegian black metal band, but they are renowned as being jokes to the entire community because what they did is the music video, up until the point where he starts humping the sword. But... <laughs> 
Okay. Um, if you remember the video, um, the ones that the one that they shoot in the woods where they're running around the trees and they look like they're just throwing leaves all over the place and they're just like bending out and they have like that spooky makeup and they're ha- make they're trying to look like look intimidating. All of that is shot-for-shot shot remake of one of their videos. That's so, hilarious. so yeah. Um, the second I saw that, I was in love with the movie. And then you get the re-beheading sequence, and I could, I was just in, I could not stop laughing. I, I had literally stopped the movie, and I had to wait to stop. I had to stop and go back and re- watch what I had missed because I could not stop laughing when that happens. Wait, wait, and wait. Does that does that mean that you rewatched the re beheading scene? So it's exactly. like the re beheading scene. That was the joke I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I took that one away from you, but nice. That's setup. A, no worries. Yeah, I mean, rewatching a re beheading. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when I first saw this, I thought this movie was made exactly for me. Um, it, it's not just, you know, like you said, it's not just the physical comedy. It's not just the outlandishness. There's also a, a heart to it. And there's a story to it. And, you know, the idea of him overcoming, you know, his, his slacker origins and finding it, you know, within himself to be the hero that, you know, his girlfriend wants to be. And like I said, she's just as much of a badass as he is because he takes her them on by herself at some point. Yep. So yeah, um, I, I I love that about it. I I I love the gore. I love just you know the sheer outlandishness. The music is impeccable. The jokes are spot on. Yeah, um, I I was a fan of this movie when I first saw it too. So, um. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This is one of the one of the better genre films of the past decade, I would say. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we, neither of us yet have mentioned the ice cream cone scene, that uh. earth bench scene. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. For those that don't know, um, the perfect epitome of the film is uh, the famous still shot, where um, it, it's shortly after they filmed the music video, so. The kid is completely decked out in um, what is termed corpse paint. Um, basically, you paint your face completely white, and you draw like black symbols or designs or like various different like you know you basically have like different symbols and designs on your face. And he's wearing a black shirt, black chains, you know, leather studs and spikes and all that. And he's packing up this stuff and he meets the girl who's, you know, dressed like this preppy cheerleader kind, you know, like the bright pink and the short dress and all that. And she basically invites him out to ice cream. So the, the, the shot in particular is the two of them sitting on a bench eating ice cream. But the juxtaposition is he's wearing this dark black corpse paint and, you know, full metal attire. And she looks like she stepped out of a 1950s cheerleader cheerleader movie. Yep. And yeah, it, it, it's heartwarming what they go through, but just the visual when you first see it, because it's a slam cut the second you see it, because they're packing up. She says, hey, you want to go get ice cream? And then it snap cuts to them on the park bench, um, licking their cones. And uh, yeah, I was dying. <laughs> yeah, my, my co-host, Grave Robert Jeff, calls that the best scene in the world. So he was a big fan of that. 
yeah um yeah for good reasons so uh we'll uh move from there and go to number six number six all right just make sure that i've got it in the right order all right <clears throat> Okay, so my number six is what I would consider one of the bigger budget ones, if not the biggest budget one on my list. It's from 2011. It's definitely a, a referential parody of horror movies in general. And I think that sometimes rubs people the wrong way, but I really appreciated it, uh, especially the first time I saw it. Second time I saw it, it held up very well as well. Um, this is... The Cabin in the Woods, uh, written and written and directed, well, directed by Drew Goddard, written by Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon. Um, whatever we think of Joss Whedon these days, I, I love this movie. Um, the, the very first scene, like you, you, you start this one up and you're expecting a cabin in the woods and the very first scene is you're in a sterile, weird office space with, you know, the guy from the West Wing. And you're like, uh, did my disc get switched or did I hit the wrong button on my streaming service? But it it gets you off balance right off the, right off the start. And the the general the general conceit of this movie is that what we think are just horror movies are actually being manipulated um, for reasons that you'll find out later. So we have the typical group of kids that go off for a cabin in the woods vacation um among them is chris hemsworth in a pre-thor role which is which is pretty fun to see um and yeah so they're you know throughout the throughout their trip they start to you know their characterization tends starts to change from being you know, one guy who's kind of a scholarly guy starts acting more like the, more like the jock, and one girl starts acting more kind of slutty, and you know, and they're they're kind of confused by what's going on, and you know, we get to watch the the guys in the office space. You know, I mentioned Bradley Whitford, um, he's also joined by Richard Jenkins, and it's this whole thing that that this this trip this group of kids is being manipulated somehow and we're not quite sure why and i think the best scene and the i mean the scene that really i think about whenever i think about this movie is as they're exploring the basement of this cabin and they're looking at all these artifacts and once you find out why what they're doing is important i i just really like that so um you get some you get some murderous zombie hillbillies in this movie, but it doesn't stop there. There's some crazy stuff near the end. There's a there's a great cameo that that comes up at the end that I'm not sure that I should ruin because it really is very cool. Um, but yeah, I think you know, I think the fact this this movie just sets itself up to say that there's a method to the madness of horror movies. I just really appreciated what they did with this. So. That's 2011's The Cabin in the Woods. Ah, wow. Um, I'm kind of the same way as I said about um, Return of the Living Dead as I am with this one. As much as I love it, I I don't 
I, I when I first watched it, I didn't know it was a comedy, and I never thought of it as such. So yeah, um, it's yeah, not it, laugh out loud comedy, like like yeah, like we were talking about before for sure. Um, it's more, you know, it's more situational, I guess, and how you interpret yeah. that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand a lot of, you know, like the the two controllers, um, a lot of their banter, uh, especially when we realize what the banter is about. I really, I, you know, a lot of that is kind of like, you know, chuckle inducing, but it's never really, I, I always looked at it more as like, you know, moments of brevity just to kind of like lighten the tension. But yeah, um, it was, it was weird. Um, I, I've watched it several times and uh, it's just one I... It, Again, I, I I don't really know. I the first time I watched it, I'll be honest, I didn't know it was a comedy. And then a lot of the times later, I I think it's because I'm stuck in that mindset of I didn't know, so it's not really funny. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because well, I don't mean funny, funny, but it's what's interesting. This whole exercise is that I I, I think there's elements of comedy in almost every horror movie. I mean, some there's there's none whatsoever, but but I think the general rule is that there's at least a little bit. And so when we're defining what is a horror comedy or a comedy horror, I think that line is a very like there's definitely a huge gray area. So um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think if we got like ten, twenty, hundred people. We would have very different lists even then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, probably be the only one that uh, wouldn't have that on the list, but um, <laughs> definitely a fun experiment. Uh, never know. Never know. Yeah. Ah. Um. Well. Uh. Moving on to my number six. Um. I went with a uh, another um, rather recent one um probably one that's um a lot more beloved than uh most other uh horror comedies i went with tucker and dale versus evil nice yeah so uh 2010 um this one concerns a uh pair of brother a pair of friends who are heading down to the, um their shack out in the woods they're just looking for a fun retreat and they come across a group of uh, partiers who are looking to have some fun. But they manage to uh, inadvertently suspect that the two brothers are serial killers out to uh, murder and eat them. And they spend the entire time trying to prove it with disastrous results. Um, I will leave that uh, vague plot description as uh, much as I can. Um, because a lot of this one is based um, on the situation at hand. So uh, the the general premise is that uh, the two friends who are, um, you know, obviously Tucker and Dale, they are completely unaffected by what's going on around them. They suspect nothing is wrong. They only they're only there just to, you know, relax, unwind, have a, you know, fun trip. And what goes on is the other group of people, the, you know, the party, the college group that are there for the their own weekend. They're trying to prove that the two guys are cannibals. And unfortunately, several situations, several miscommunications and 
um, inadvertent situational um, responses later. They're all on the run from each other. But everything that they do ends up only hurting the group of college students. The um, the other two, Tucker and Dale, are completely unaffected by everything. And it's only at the very end that they realize what's actually going on. And uh, this was uh, a this was a, a surprise. I got recommend. I didn't know it was out until several years later. And a friend of mine at work who um, he knew I was a big horror fan, and he he was like curious about a lot of the stuff that I was watching, and he asked me about it, and I had never heard of it, so I went ahead and checked it out, and yeah, uh, this was a ton of fun. Um, it's heartwarming. It's funny. It's probably a bit more over the top than what you would expect um in this kind of a film but um uh, the situations are just hysterical um there's so much to like here um especially the two leads tucker and dale i always i always get the actors mixed up i know that it's um alan tiddick and tyler labine but i always forget who's who yeah i think uh tyler labine is Dale. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know who Alan Tiddick is, and I know who um, uh, I know I know who the I know who they are as actors, but I can never remember the characters. Which one's Tucker and which one's Dale? So that's the that's the, that's my issue is that I I I know the actors, but I, I I don't have a way to confirm that whoever Tiddick is playing is Tucker and whoever. Um, I mean, I I don't know if you know, Tiddick is playing Tucker or if Tiddick is playing Dale. Like that's the thing for me. Like I I know who they are. I know who I know who each of the people are, but I don't know their characters. So yeah, that's yeah, you're, you're you're making me doubt my memory now too. <laughs> I know that's that, that's the thing is like I I know who they are. I just I can't I can't like for one hundred percent attach a name to the face. So. But uh, yeah, um, like I said, everything that happens here is basically just miscommunications and uh, misreading the situation. So um, expect scenes where people are running, you know, they're running up on him trying to, you know, get the jump on him and he'll dodge at the last second and they'll they'll inadvertently be poised into a position where it would look like they're being murdered only it's the exact opposite um i mean again i don't i'm trying to dance gingerly around spoilers the best i can so um I, again apologies if this stuff doesn't sound as funny as it actually is but um yeah the, the this is hysterical and if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor and watch it because if it's not just the the physical comedy that's on display, at least watch the heartwarming story that takes place because that's that's one of the film's shining moments. Is I think the relationship between the two the two whoever they are, you know, I mean, I, I know it's Tucker and Dale, but whoever the two of them are, their chemistry together is impeccable, and that sells the film just as much as the gut busting comedy. Well, let me add to that, but I'm going to add to that later. Let's just put it that way. All right, cool. Um, let's uh, switch over and go to our top fives then. 
All right, this is getting exciting. Okay, so for my number five pick, um, you've got me wondering, well, I'm looking at all these now thinking, okay, well, I think they're still comedies. Let's see. Um, my number five pick is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006. This is uh, written and directed by Scott Glosserman, uh, also written by David J. Steve. This is set up as a documentary, kind of half handheld, um, so not really found footage, but but some of the footage is handheld. As we're following uh, Leslie Vernon, we're with the we're with the document documentary. No, blah, blah, blah. we're with the documentary documentarians. That's a long word, jeez. And uh, as as they follow Leslie Vernon around as he's preparing for his his big night and he's he's returned to town after being assumed dead years and years ago and he's he's going to have one of these these slasher uh episodes so he's he's in training he's doing his cardio he's he's explaining to the documentarians how how he does his stalking and how he sets up you know the 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 initial meetings between you know himself in the bushes and his and his targets and how he chooses his targets and and while this is going on this uh documentary crew headed up by um taylor gentry is the character's name it's she's played by angela gaitals this was a name i had trouble with pronouncing last time i talked about this movie um she's kind of like i i wonder why she's in that position because you know she's very interested in what leslie vernon's doing but she's also got a lot of moral quandary with what leslie vernon's doing because leslie vernon is an extremely likable guy you know both to her and to us as an audience we we really get behind him we really you know want to see this guy succeed but at the same time, if he succeeds, a lot of people are going to die. And so this is, I found this movie a very interesting uh, examination of why we like horror movies in the first place, you know. But the comedy from this comes from Leslie Vernon's character, just just how, you know, giddy he is about what he's doing, how seriously he takes it, but how, like, everything that they try to explain the, how they deconstruct the horror genre, I found quite uh, brilliant. And and his support system, too, is made up of Scott Wilson as Eugene. Scott Wilson, of course, uh, just passed away not so long ago, a few years ago. Uh, great role on The Walking Dead. Um, his wife is played by Bridget Newton. Um, so these two are... You know, kind of mentors or the support system for for Leslie, and and uh, it's the conversations between the three of them where they're trying to explain to Taylor just the history of slashers and you know how the how the groundbreakers like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers, you know, laid the groundwork for for all the slashers that came after, and and so it's. This takes place in a universe where where all these slashers are are real people that 
you know happened in the in the distant past. So it's it's one of those nods to uh, slasher horror in general. Um, you can tell that the director really loves horror movies, definitely from from watching this. Um, again, it's kind of like Cabin in the Woods, where it's you know, the the central joke joke here is that there's a method behind the madness to to horror movies, and uh, yeah, and throw in of course a uh, a starring turn by Robert Englund in the essentially they they call it the Ahab role, you know this is the uh, Doctor Loomis type role who's coming coming after Leslie trying to to stop the the reign of terror. And also add in a pretty effective twist near the end, and you've got what I consider a, a great movie here. So that's my number five, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Wesley Vernon. Yeah, um, I, I can't disagree more. It made my honorable mentions. It didn't make my list, but um, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of that film. Uh, what it does, a lot of the you know in-jokes and the self-genre referentials are far more clever than I ever would have ever dreamed of putting together. I mean, it's got a lot more intelligence behind it than a lot of people think a lot of, you know, what he's saying, like you never think about what, how he puts what, how he puts it into words, what he's doing. You have to, it makes you realize a lot of, you know, what, what other slashers have to go through to do what they do. And, yeah, um, I, I I love I, I'm a huge fan of this one. It, it just missed my list, but I, I I'm definitely a fan of this one as well. That's cool. Yeah, and and the thing about it too is we could get into such a good spoiler discussion on it too because it you know the the last act just just flips yeah. on its ear and it just becomes that much more multi layered. So exactly. Yeah, yeah, I I can't I can't recommend this one enough as well. All right, um, so we'll move on to uh, my number five. Um, I went with uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, definitely one that um, I, I mentioned earlier that this is one that I've seen several times over. It's one that, you know, I, I don't really rewatch a lot of these ones, but uh, this one is very much a uh, rewatchable um, genre film. I went with Shaun of the Dead. Nice. Yeah. Um, so 2004, Edgar Wright, um, he of Last Night of Soho fame. Um, basically, Sean um, in this, uh, played by Simon Pegg, is uh, an aimless 30-year-old, 30 30-ish drifter who's uh, basically just content to spend every day at the electronic store where he works, doesn't think of moving up into management. He's just basically retail, um, just wants to get get his shift over with, go home and play video games and get high with his best friend who lives on his couch. Uh, you know, one day though, he, um, well, apparently uh, I shouldn't say one day, I should say at the end of one day, because uh, it takes him a while. Um, he comes to find out that there's a zombie outbreak and uh, it's infected the city and he's one of the few survivors. So he has to round up the few survivors, um, the friends of his that he knows who have also survived, and uh, has to lead them to safety. Um, 
Uh, much like what you were saying with uh, slasher deconstruction, this one is zombie deconstruction. And again, much in the same way of um, how smart and clever it is, uh, there's a lot more to this than a lot of people realize. A lot of the in-jokes in here are based on zombie films, zombie tropes that a lot of people are familiar with, but they don't, you know, they're not familiar of until they've been pointed out. And then it's more of an, oh, yeah, that's what they were talking about kind of a thing. And that's mixed incredibly well with some of the best British humor I've ever seen. Um, I'm not a huge fan of British comedy in general. Um, I, I watch a few shows here and there, and I, I'm, I don't really get a lot of their comedy. But this one works for me. Um, the jokes are fantastic. You know, the physical comedy is top notch. Uh, you know, the third act, again, takes a hard turn into more traditional genre fare, and it turns into this bloody, brutal, you know, really fun gore fest. Um, it still has a few, you know, moments of levity here and there, but it's, you know, the first two thirds of this where it's all hysterical and gut busting, and I have so much fun with this. So, um, I, again, um, I'm kind of surprising what with uh, my earlier comments on Return of the Living Dead. I am a huge zombie fan so um this absolutely works for me um yeah i i can't say much more about it but uh number five Shaun of the dead all right well i'm glad you have this on your list because unfortunately didn't make mine um it was one that it's one that i thought was going to be there quite honestly and and i i had watched it for the first time God, maybe 20 years ago. Is it that old? Not quite 20 years ago. Um, mm, yeah, two th yeah, it's 2004, I think. So. Yeah, so not quite 20 years ago, but but pretty close. And I rewatched it again. And you're right; it's it's absolutely hilarious. The the way they do the the subtle the subtlety of that first day where you see things happening out of the corner of your eye or out of the corner of his eye and he's just not registering it and it's it's a great commentary on you know the blissful ignorance that most people have when they're stuck inside their own head right um but yeah i mean i i have no problem with you know i have no problem with it being on your top 10 whatsoever in fact i'm glad it's there because it should be represented to me it's just to me, it's just not something that I'm going to go back and rewatch. Uh, and it's, you know, I think that's what all my top 10 have in common is that I just, you know, I can't wait to go and rewatch these ones. And with Shaun of the Dead, it's kind of like, well, I saw it and I enjoyed it, but, but that's about it for me. So. That's understandable. I mean, I had film, I felt that way about a couple of your choices. So, I mean, it was only right that you returned the favor. So. <laughs> I, I, I think, though, that I think there's a lot of Shaun of the Dead fans out there. So, you know, it's probably, I think, popular opinion is on your side for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would probably venture that uh, much like your Cabin in the Woods argument, I think mine, mine, would, for, mine would be for Shaun of the Dead. Just uh, switch the roles. So. There you go. Yeah. So uh, with that, let's move to uh, number four. All right. My number four is uh, is what I would what I would consider some a movie that's been a favorite of mine for a long time. Um, 
and and it falls into that category of gateway horror movie as well. So this is a movie that I was actually able to show my kids not so long ago. And uh, so really it is probably more of a comedy than a straight up horror, but I think it does it in the best way possible. And this is 1990s Tremors. Um, probably also the only monster movie type horror comedy on, on this list, unless I'm completely forgetting something, but uh, this, of course, stars Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, and even more, of course, probably Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre. Uh, their their two characters are are probably the funniest part of this whole movie. Just just how how prepared they are for an attack by underground, you know, alien like digging slugs or whatever these graboids actually are, right? Um, yeah, um, I, I think I remember from that they were like some prehistoric worm that got revived, but um, maybe I'm misremembering something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Actually, yeah. worm was worm was the word that was was evading me there for for a bit. So thank yeah. you. Um, it's also an interesting horror movie from the perspective that I think it takes place almost exclusively in the daylight, and you know, in a in a desert setting. So it's it's pretty i hesitate to say groundbreaking because that's pretty cheesy but uh, but it is it is unique that way and and the design of the graboids is is brilliant like they couldn't be any more impressive i think when when you first see them come out of the ground like that um, and the fact that tom woodruff junior who you know had previously well is a pretty famous makeup guy uh, the fact that he was actually inside one of those worm costumes coming through the ground like that, you know, it's kind of, of a behind the scenes piece of info that makes it even more fun to watch. But the strength of this movie is, is on the, um, on the strength of the characters as well. The, uh, the Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward characters, the, the uh, chemistry between those two is great. And you know, it's it's just a situation that you don't know how you would react unless it happened to you. And uh, it's it's fun watching this movie unfold. It's just a lot of fun, this movie. And I think that's I think that's a big that's what a big part of the horror comedy should be. Nice. Um, I can't say I'm as big a fan, but uh, I, I, I I really like that one as well. Um, I mean, it, not enough to make my list, but uh, I, I do really enjoy it, and I, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, I even really like a lot of the sequels, so um, definitely a much more fun film than... Um, I, I, I really I really like it, so uh, yeah, great choice there. Cool. All right, how about your number four? So uh, my number four is... What we've uh, talked about earlier, I went with Evil Dead 2. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested in the is it a remake or is it a sequel debate. Uh, I I appreciate this much more just in the sense of this was hysterical from beginning to end. Um, I mean, you mentioned Bruce's uh, physical comedy in this. Some of the stuff that he does is just... I have no idea how he came out of that and is still a functioning, you know, how he still has functioning joints at some point. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, there's no end to just some of the outlandish physical comedy that he does. And then, the you know, some of the jokes are, you know, I mean, I really wouldn't say they're jokes, but like, I, you know, physical gags and uh, slapstick that goes on in this. Oh, it, it is so much fun. Um, yeah, uh, I I really I can't say much more about it. It's it's one of my all time favorites. So um, I was much more like you. I kind of was debating whether or not Army of Darkness fell close enough. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did the same thing as you. And because I thought this one was a much truer mixture of the two, I went with this one. But, um, yeah, uh, Evil Dead 2 is just so much fun. Yeah, I think I had briefly considered doing a kind of cheating a bit and saying Evil Dead 2 slash Army of Darkness. But, you know, I wanted to stick to the... <laughs> what i what i think the rules of the top 10 were but um and i i did just rewatch army of darkness last night just to to have a a fresher opinion of it um still a great movie still very funny um but i think evil dead 2 is the right choice yeah oh for sure yeah um I mean, like I said, uh, I was debating about it just for myself because um, I'm just as much a fan of um, Army of Darkness as I am uh, Evil Dead 2. But uh, just like like we said, uh, for the purposes of this, because Evil Dead 2 feels more like a genuine horror film, I kind of went in that direction. But I would have no qualms adding uh, Army of Darkness to this either. So Very cool. All right, so uh, that moves to number three. Moving right along here. All right. Um, Okay, so my number three pick is one that I said I would get back to later, and that is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Nice. I I have to say that even of all of these top ten movies, this is the one that I probably laugh the most in. And... And that's obviously very important in a horror comedy. But um, you're right. The the way that they set everything up in the first half, it's just so brilliant how they can make such innocent gestures by these two guys look so sinister if you if you don't know what the, if it's viewed in a different context. And I mean, it, I, it took a lot of skill to come up with with those ideas. I think. Um, for me, if if the second half of the movie had been as perfect as the first half of the movie, then this would have been my number one choice, and it probably wouldn't have been close. But I, I do think the second half uh, is not as strong as the first, and especially on a rewatch, I I definitely got that feeling. But but just on the strength of how funny the concept and the execution of the first half of this movie is, this is my number three for sure all right um that moves to uh my number three um again this was another film that i i fell in love with the first time i saw um i unfortunately cannot say that i've seen uh the full version of this one um i i can't i would actually say um a lot of us haven't actually my number three is dead alive I had a feeling this one might be on your list, actually. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I only say that because, um, uh, real briefly before I talk about the film, um, the version that we know of, um, uh, I should say most of the Western world would know of as Dead Alive is actually a cut version. Um, the uncut version is a version that is known as Brain Dead, and I. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the di- I didn't know the difference between the two titles. I knew there were two titles. But. Yeah, um, Brain Dead is um, an uncut version. I think there's like five or six minutes extra. Yeah. yeah um, I, I I I don't know much, but um, I know that there's um, a longer tea time sequence. I know. Yeah, I know that there's a longer tea time sequence. And um, I think um, my memory's fading me here. I think the uh, conception of um, Merwin is actually t- um, on screen. Okay. Um, like I said, again, I don't know for sure, but I, I think there's a little bit more than that. But it's hard. It's hard to imagine there being much more to. The, the version I watched, I mean, this is, I'm sure you're going to get to this, but this is one of the goriest movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably, I would say, at least in the top five. But, yeah, this is, this was a film that I just, I fell in love with. Um, the setup, um, briefly, because I think we haven't, uh, mentioned that um, at all is uh, a young guy who's uh, living with his mother. He's henpecked. He's under her control. You know, mama's boy, basically. He ends up and uh, finds out that she's been bitten by um, a. I always forget. It's it's not the Skull Island. It's Sumatra, maybe. Is that it? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, um, it he, the mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat. So, um, like I said, uh, you know, I was thinking of, they find that on Skull Island. That's why I was kind of getting confused. But um, what happens is, as she succumbs to the virus, she ends up turning into a flesh-eating zombie, but spreads the virus throughout the, her community, forcing him to have to defend, you know, the zombies from the others who are trying to, you know, figure out what's going on because dealing with the zombies means that he's acting a little more unhinged and offbeat than usual. And there's a few other subplots that are going on, but basically this is a wall-to-wall display of some of the finest low-budget gore you've ever seen. I am not... I am not kidding when I say that there is a literal sequence where he takes a lawnmower, revs it up, sticks it on his chest, blades out so they're facing the blades are facing away from him, and he walks through a swarm of zombies. And I'll say that again. He walks through a swarm of zombies with a running lawnmower. Do the math. And that's not even touching the tip of the iceberg on this one. But it's not just the voluminous display of gore on display. I mentioned earlier, um, 
I think the name is Merwin or Berwin or something like that. It's something like that. But the first time that you see this little thing, you are going to you're going to double over laughing because it's it. I I I, I can't even explain it. I'm, I I I can't explain it. But the sequence where we see him is just. It, I I don't understand how anybody can see this and not fall over laughing, especially if you're a parent, because I think that just adds so much to the sequence. Seeing that happen as a parent, you know, I mean, I I think you can speak to that more than I can, um, seeing as how I unfortunately have yet to have a child, but... <laughs> I, I can't imagine what you saw when you first saw that. And then looking at it, you know, seeing what goes on in that sequence through the eyes of a parent. Uh, yeah, well, you, you don't see many movies that take that, take that uh, subject matter on like that, for sure. And it's, um, it's funny because when you do have kids, there's a lot of horror movies that become a lot more uncomfortable to watch, but for the scene like that it was just so funny that and it's so um over the top that you can't help but laugh at it whether you have kids or not so yeah um but yeah wall to wall gore wall to wall gore quite literally um so yeah like i said i i had a feeling this might be on your list because i one of the I've, I've listened to, I think, all of your episodes so far. Um, your very first one, you went through your favorite movies, and I know this was on there, so mm-hmm. I, uh, I figured it might show up again. Um, and I think for that reason, more than anything else, I, I kept it in my honorable mentions. Um, it was, it was, it's tough for me to um, think where, you know, I, I'm pretty happy with my top ten, but, but brain dead slash dead alive is is very worthy as well nice so uh that just leaves our uh terrible twos so what's uh your number two pick my terrible number two is definitely more of a comedy than a horror it's definitely a comedy with horror aspects to it but to me it's one of it's one of my favorite comedies of all time and that is 1984's Ghostbusters. Um, again, this is a gateway movie. I had no trouble showing it to my kids. I remember when I was a kid and I first watched it, that scene with the librarian right at the beginning um, is so scary when you're young and still impressive to watch when, when you're older and can, can appreciate it. But um it's it's followed by the amazing reactions of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis as they're running away from it. That you know it takes the edge off. And uh, when you think about everything that happens in this movie, <clears throat> I mean, most people will see this as a as a comedy and barely a horror. But when you think about what actually happens, it's there's some horrific things happening, but they're done in such a way that it's that it's light and it's funny and the performance of the characters is is so i mean i can't say enough about about those three guys and 
you know, Ernie Hudson also always gets the short end of the stick as the fourth Ghostbuster. I don't know why he's, you know, there's four Ghostbusters. Come on, guys. But um, but just how funny Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis are in their roles. Uh, I could watch this movie probably a million times and still find it funny. Um, Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis as well. Like, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I need to really give a synopsis for this movie. It's, it's, I think everybody knows what it is, but, you know, um, the fact that, the fact that these guys set up a, a ghost hunting service in the middle of New York and just in time to deal with all these ghost sightings and, and the, you know, the timely appearance of Gozer at the top of this particular apartment building. It's, I just have so much fun with this one. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's Ghostbusters 1984. Yeah, um, it's honorable mention for me, just uh, for what you said. Um, I find it more comedy than horror, even though, yeah, I do agree that the general outline is very horror-based, and a lot of the stuff is you know, straight horror, if you think about it, in, you know, like, a literal sense of what's going on. But, yeah, um, I, I find it just, you know, it, I, I find it more comedy than anything, so um, I, I didn't put it on my main list, but because you can still look at it and say, okay, yeah, if you just tweak one or two things and you drop the jokes, it's a horror film, so um, I, I left it as an honorable mention, but, yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. That's... Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, my terrible two, although um, before I mention this, I should um, give a slight little warning here and say, even though I'm naming this as my number two, I don't literally think of it as my number two. I actually think of this as my number one. And when I get to my number one, I'll explain what I mean by that. But um, I will say, um, for my official choice, it is What We Do in the Shadows. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, like, like I said, I'll mention what I mean by uh, my number one and not my number two then. But I'm, and I, when I say What We Do in the Shadows, I'm to the film, not the show. Um, it helps. Um, the show, the canon and legacy of uh, the show helps. But um in reference to the movie, uh, this was another one that the the second I saw it, I was just in love with it. And the care, the detail, the attention to the lore that went on, I I was I, I just I loved it. And a lot of it was, you know, people that got it. People that knew, you know, like we were saying with Sean about people that knew zombie films. These are people that knew vampire films and they knew a lot of the lore. They knew a lot of the little inside quirks and tricks and, you know, they got a lot of that right. And then they wrapped it up with one of the most enthralling set setups I've ever seen. I wouldn't care at all if they weren't vampires, if they were just a bunch of loons that thought they were and they were just regular people that went about their lives, I'd still follow them. That's, you know, how much fun I think this group is. You know, the four of them together are just absolute gold. And everything about it just, I, I love. 
and then you threw the werewolves involved, or I should say the swearwolves, not where you know werewolves, not swearwolves. Um, this made this made me laugh so amazingly well, and I I I cannot stop laughing at this movie. Um, my number two is what we do in the shadows. Oh, there's a very simple reason why this one is not on my list, and that's because I haven't seen it yet. Um, Ooh. When I when I did my research and I started uh, listing all the movies I could think of, I also went to about five or six different online lists of people ranking their favorite horror comedies. There were a handful that showed up on every list, and What We Do in the Shadows was one of those. Um, unfortunately, it's not something that's readily available to stream in Canada. And so, you know, when I was talking about how frustrating that is from my perspective, this is this is one of those movies that I really mm. wish I'd been able to see before this. Uh, but I'm glad you have it on here. I'm, I'm glad to hear it so high because it had piqued my interest given how often I had seen mention of it. So I'm definitely going to go that extra mile and probably rent it which is something that only happens occasionally for me these days. Cool. Um, are you at all familiar with the series? Um, does that air up there? or? Um, I can't say that I am, actually. Um, is it any, any question I ask about it will probably betray how unfamiliar I am with it. So I guess the answer to that is no. Okay. Um, okay, so the series is... Um, it's the same sim it's the same setup so i mean I, I assume you know what the general outline of the film is that it's you know a film crew following you know a group of vampires living in the the city correct right okay yeah so um what happens is it basically follows it, it follows the group in like more intimate detail so instead of you know like the film will basically like show them as like one day and then it'll like flash back the show will actually be the entire day so instead of you know like jump cutting around so that way you know it tells time you know a lot quicker this one will actually spend a lot of the time going in depth and it'll show like their day-to-days in like more detail and stuff like that so that's kind of like the main difference, but it's basically like the same setup. It's it's a documentary crew that's following them around the city and their daily lives and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely intrigued now because um, I, I'd love to know what you guys think of it. Yeah. Well, again, if we can get a hold of it, which I mean, a five dollar rental fee is not terrible, but with everything that's available out there streaming it's it's got to be uh it's got to be a very intriguing movie to to actually go out of your way to rent so i gotta say i'm intrigued enough to go out of my way to rent it so i will let you know cool yeah all right so um that uh brings us to our uh final choices so uh let's see what uh number one is dun, 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 dun. all right um I, I know your reaction to Return of the Living Dead. And so I'm wondering if you'll have the same reaction to this one. Um, I don't, I think you'll agree with me the quality of the movie because I know I've heard it on one of your lists before. Um, 
but I mean, I see it as, I see it as there being very definite black comedy involved here as well. And so this is a movie that I have loved for a long time. I've had the, I've been fortunate enough to go to a horror convention and get pictures with the cast and autographs and all that stuff. Um, one of my favorite horror actresses is in this movie. It's just completely over the top. It is 1985's Reanimator. Mm. So, the, so like I said, it's black comedy. It's 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 trying to beat death. It's it's doing the same action over and over again and expecting a different result. But at the end of the day, trying to beat death is not going to work out too well for you. So, the the, the things that happen in here. Um, I'm thinking specifically with, you know, someone walking around with his own severed head and causing all sorts of mischief. Um, I'm thinking of, well, I mean, the characters themselves, not, I should say, very specific characters are just played over the top. And Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West is amazing. Um, Bruce Abbott is the straight guy in this whole thing. Obviously, Barbara Camp, Barbara Crampton. Um, like I said, is one of my one of my favorite horror actresses. It's it's just it's just so over the top. You can't you can't help but not take it seriously. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but the the fact that everything goes wrong when these guys are trying to you know further the they're they're trying to find out how to beat death. They're trying this this Herbert West guy has a has a serum that if you inject it into the brain of a re- recently deceased uh, corpse, then you'll get some brain activity and some reanimation. Um, but when that happens, it, it does not happen the way they want it to. And so it's it's kind of violently funny. And it's, it's gorily funny. It's a very gory movie as well. Um, Based on a H.P. Lovecraft story, though I heard that H.P. Lovecraft wasn't too impressed with his his own story here. It was just something he was doing for a paycheck. I don't know how true that is, but to me it's a to me it's a great idea. It's something that we all, at one time or another, would probably would be an interesting question to ask ourselves: just how far would we go to, you know, hold on to those people that were near and dear to us but who died too soon um if you had a glowing serum in your in your hand and you knew that the chances of it working out well for you were were pretty terrible would you would you still try it so um you know it's not something that you should necessarily get too deeply into it's it's a crazy ride from start to finish um and one that i've loved for a long time so it is my number one pick reanimator nice um again yeah unfortunately i'm kind of a same mindset uh it's outlandish yes but i i don't really find it like is like gut bustingly funny um i mean if you've heard my list you'll know that it's uh you know one of my top five favorite films of all time Mm -hmm. but um yeah, uh, I, I I can't really fault it. It's just one that I, I when I look at comedy, I'm not like falling down laughing at it. 
So, I mean, I, it's kind of one of those where I, I don't really think of it as one, but I can definitely see where a lot of it would be because, you know, like you said, it's so outlandish and over the top that I, I'm not mad at it, but it's just one, you know, for myself, I wouldn't think of doing it. Well, I mean, I'm glad that we do have diverging opinions on on some of these because it does make for a more interesting you know when you put the list side by side it's more interesting but we've only had i think two crossovers right um though i don't think well don't we was coming in number one but um yeah we had uh i think we tied on uh evil dead 2 and tucker and dale and then i think you had um ghost i, I had ghostbusters as an honorable mention so um, I, like I said, I think we tied on, we tied on two officially, but there was uh, three crossovers. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, oh wait, I no, uh, wait, three. We did that. We both did Deathgasm. There was three. That's right. Oh, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I had Brain Dead slash uh, Dead yeah. Alive as an honorable honorable mention as well. All right. And, yeah. Yeah. So if we if we include honorable mentions, there's all sorts of crossovers actually because i yeah. had sean of the dead in there as well but um yeah. all right okay so, um well i'm interested to see where you're going to go with this one now so okay one. yeah so like i said um earlier with um what we do in the shadows um i don't think of that as my number two i think of what we do in the shadows as my number one so um, I, I do officially say um, what we do in the shadows is uh, the funniest horror film I've ever seen. But um, for the purposes of lists, uh, I say um, my number one is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Okay, interesting. Uh, the majority for that, and uh, this is kind of one of the uh, weird, the, this is the weirdest reasoning ever. Um, I, I give it just because of its legacy. Um, it was the first one, um, if not the first one to do so, it was one of the first ones that got it right. And that to me is um, important because one, it sets the groundwork for what's to come. But it's also important because uh, the film is hysterical on its own, even without the historical significance tied to it. But because of the historical significance, I have to give it credit and put it on the list just because. So even though it's, even though I say it's number one, it's not technically my true number one. Um, if I was to be honest and say, you know, where it would be if I ranked them, it would probably be, you know, maybe like an eight or a nine, just because, you know, I do like a lot of the other stuff more, but because of its historical significance, I say it's my number one. So it's uh, one of the few times where I actually do, I do say something, say something like that because I, I don't normally do that, but uh, for this case, it's one that I make an exception for. So that's, that's intriguing. Um, I think I'm about to have my horror podcast license revoked because I got to admit, I have not seen that movie. It's uh, something I have to something I have to do is go back and, and fill in the gaps of, of the classics. And, uh, you know, this was one that was on my list after what after going through the research. And again, it was just one that I didn't get a chance to, to get to to watch for this show. Um, but yeah, yeah, I heard a I, lot of good things. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's a, a little uh, 
it, it, it I'm a little bit more familiar just because I kind of grew up with the two of them. So um, a lot of so a lot of what I find funny is because of the um, the historical recognition that I have with them because I'm familiar with them not just in the movie but um, because I you know my, my parents uh, exposed me to them when I was a lot younger so I knew who they were when I first saw it. So that kind of has a little to do with it, but in general because of it was the first one because it was the one that set it up for you know proving the two genres can work together without it being campy without it being silly without it just you know what it a lot of of what goes on with this one is knowledge of what came before so i can't really go much in depth with it but because of you know a lot of those factors i do say that it is number one just because it's historically important and it's a good enough movie that i would i genuinely and i'd I'd honestly have it on my list but like i said if i was being honest and accurate it would be higher up on the list it would probably be like like i said like an eight or a nine but because of all these other mitigating factors it's uh my number one that makes sense I mean, it's it's funny how, I mean, I I love top ten lists. I love taking them seriously and and really doing the homework and like flipping them up and down and moving things around up until the last minute. Um, it's it's so funny how how we set our own rules for these and yeah. and uh, you know, I I think we did a great job tonight of covering really a, a lot of the a lot of the corners of the horror comedy genre like we i think we came at it from slightly different perspectives in some cases but i mean i i would happily recommend anything that you have on your list to anybody else as well so uh, yeah um i mean like i said um you know we we cross on four films um there are three additional ones that are honorable mentions of some kind so yeah i mean we have a lot of uh you know unique titles a lot of uh you know ones that are interesting for people to check out if they haven't uh done so so yeah um i can't say i was disappointed with this so yeah this was uh definitely a fun time and i'm glad we uh got to do this yeah absolutely well i mean this is this is officially my first guest spot on a podcast other than my own so this was very cool. I appreciate the the opportunity to be on here. I'm glad to uh, break your cherry, so to speak. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, you mentioned uh, your show. So, uh, you know, before we uh, leave, uh, have any, uh, you know, let listeners know where they can uh, find you and your work. Okay. Uh, first thing I want to ask, though, do do we want to go through any additional honorable mentions, or do you think we've got it covered? What do you think? Um, I mean, uh, there's probably maybe only one or two that I would want to mention. Um, uh, if I would probably want to um, honorable mention anything, it would probably be um, Idle Hands. Um, I was kind of debating whether or not that one would make it, but um, it just kind of like fell off at the last minute. Um, and then again, like I said, um, you know, I had Leslie Vernon and uh, Ghostbusters as honorable mentions, but um, 
I, I, I will say, even though, I mean, I, I know both of us said um, it was, you know, not horror enough, I would still say it's worth watching to check out Army of Darkness. Just because, you know, it is, you know, the most comedy of the three and especially um, under the parameters of, you know, saying it's a horror comedy. I think it should still be, you know, looked at, even though, you know, we both agree that, you know, part two is the, you know, true one that mixes the two the best. Um, if you're looking for, you know, horror comedy, I, I think that one probably does it better. Um, it's just I you know, like you said, it's just not enough of a horror to make it, but it's still, I would say, worth mentioning. Absolutely. Yeah, I had um, another one that sort of is a love letter to slashers. I had the final girls in my honorable mentions. Um, that's one that I had a lot of fun with and a surprisingly deep story to it emotionally as well. Um, Slither was one that came up. I crazy over-the-top gore great performances by michael rooker and elizabeth banks and nathan fillion for that matter um that one was probably the the closest to uh to making it on my list and just to round it out uh we'll say from the under the radar uh category there's a movie from 2006 it's a uk movie called severance that uh the first, the first act is has the feeling of trying a bit too hard to be office type, like humor from the Office series. Um, but the last half of it really packs a punch and goes in some directions that were not expected. So that's also something that, if you ever get a chance to see uh, either yourself, Don, or any of the listeners out there, that's one that I had a lot of fun with too. Cool. All right um so yeah um so uh, let listeners know where uh, they can find you all right well yeah so as we talked about at the beginning of the show i am one third of the watch out horror movie review podcast you can find us our our website is almost ready um potentially by the time you hear this it might be there otherwise it might just be a blue screen that says coming soon but uh, that will be watchouthorror.com you can find us on Twitter at Watch Out Horror, on Instagram at Watch Out Horror Cast. We also have a link tree at linktr.ee slash watchouthorror. Um, yeah, we've been around for about a year now. Uh, well, a little less than a year, maybe 10 months. And what we try to do is provide reviews and recommendations spoiler free. Uh, I mean, I love listening to horror podcasts, but I tend to avoid the ones where I haven't seen the movies yet. So we wanted to make a podcast where you can feel safe to come and listen to some, you know, listen to some debates about movies that you might be interested in seeing without having all the beans spilled for you. So that's what we try to do over at Watch Out Horror. Yeah, that's about it for me. All right. Um, yeah, um, I can say as a uh, proud supporter of uh, hundreds of shows, I, I really appreciate the uh, spoiler-free formula. So, yeah, definitely keep that going. I'm a big fan of it. And uh, you guys are really fun together. I really like the back-and-forth dynamic you guys have. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm not just, you know, sucking up to you because you're a guest. I'm I'm being genuine here. So, yeah, um, uh, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of what you guys do. So, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Very honored, actually. And, 
yeah, I can't wait to tell my co-host that. Um, and I wanted, you know, I wanted to publicly thank you as well, Don, because what you do every day by retweeting that list of horror podcasts that come out, like that was when when we first launched and we dipped our toe into the vast Twitterverse. Um, there's a lot of horror podcasts out there, and I saw you putting out these lists every day, and I was like, wow, I, I wonder how I get on that thing, and. Turns out it was very easy. Uh, you know, the the service that you do by making sure that everybody hears about all these horror podcasts every day. It's I can't imagine it's you know a small time commitment. So I I on behalf of all the other horror podcasts out there want to thank you for that effort. Yeah, my problem, my my pleasure. I mean, like I like I say, it's all, I'm just, you know happy to help out. I mean, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we all have the same love. We all have the same you know. We all have the same, you know, general outlook, so why not, you know? But yeah, um, like I said, I'm just happy to help out. So well, uh, it's, a, it's yeah. appreciated for sure. Yeah, nope, you're welcome. So yeah, um, that will uh, close up the uh, show for this evening. Thank you again for uh, joining me. I, I, this was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for, thanks for having me on. This was great. I love top 10 lists and I love horror comedies. So this was the place to be. All right. Um, you can find all of the uh, links in the show notes below. I will have everything there for you to uh, check out. So uh, go ahead and, you know, follow them if you can. Until next time for another list, I will see you then. Bye. <laughs>